Welcome to Peak Tales, a conversation about chromatography. Now here's your host, John. Hey, welcome back, loyal podcast listeners. This is John. We're doing something a little bit different in today's episode. We are going to feature two quick tips. Now, these were recorded and distributed via email a while back. And uh, the first quick tip is storing your reverse phase HPLC column. And the second quick tip is storing your GC column. And there's a lot of good information here, and I want to make sure we get right into it. So uh, you'll hear these back to back, and it should be no more than 10, 11 minutes. Enjoy. Good day, everyone. This is John. You are listening to Quick Tips. This is a production of the Peak Tales podcast. For the entire two seasons of our famous podcast, you can find us at peaktales.libsyn.com. Hey, everybody. John Damari here. Today, I'm with uh, Paul Altiero. We're doing something called Quick Tips, and Paul has a great quick tip for us. How are you, Paul? I'm well, John. Thanks for asking. How are you doing today? Great, great. What have you got for us today? Well, John, you know, uh, people regularly ask how to shut down their systems and flush their columns for storage. So today, we're going to answer that question in this little Quick Tip segment. It's really, really straightforward. Um, there's one sort of if-then statement, and other than that, it's all the same. We're talking about reverse phase columns, and the only if-then statement is if you use a buffer of any sort, a buffer salt of any sort, then the first thing you want to do is run 20 to 30 column volumes of 50-50 methanol and water through your system. Uh, it could be methanol acetonitrile. I prefer methanol water, but they're, they're interchangeable. The point is pure water, 50-50 with organic to wash out the buffer salts, 20 to 30 column volumes. Uh, after that, 20 to 30 column volumes of that pure solvent, methanol or acetonitrile, take the column out of its uh, position in the LC, cap it tightly with the end plugs that it shipped with, and you're good to go. Now, for the system itself, uh, I would recommend replacing that column with just a little zero dead volume union and flushing the whole system with IPA. Ideally, I do that on the aqueous channel. I want to flush all the water out of my degasser and out of my lines so that nothing grows. If I'm going on vacation or something like that, and I'm going to be gone for two weeks, I don't want anything growing in my aqueous channel. So I... I replace that with IPA. I flush it mill a minute for, say, 20 minutes, uh, and then I turn it off. It's a great time to empty out all your solvent bottles, wash them out, hang them up to dry, and it's it's really that simple. Um, the only thing I would I would throw in there is a column volume, right? You can get that from your checkout chromatogram, or you can use some really simple math. A 4.6 by 100 millimeter column has approximately one mil of column volume. Typically, we run 4.6 columns at a mil per minute, so 20 column volumes is literally 20 minutes. Super easy to do. Longer columns, same inner diameter, 
you just multiply by the ratio of the lengths. So a 250 would have the volume of 250 divided by 100 times that one mil uh, column volume for the 100, which would just, which would say two and a half mils of column volume. If you have a column of a smaller inner diameter, you do the ratio of the squares of the inner diameters, right? Because we're talking about you know circles here, and that's pi r squared. But again, very easy. If you were going from a four six one hundred to a three o one hundred, you would multiply the ratio by the ratios of the IDs: three point zero squared divided by four point six squared times that one mil per minute. It would come out to about six hundred microliters of volume in that case. Uh, it's just over half the volume. So super straightforward, 20, 30 column volumes of 50-50 organic in water to wash out any buffer salts. Then 20 to 30 column volumes of a pure solvent, methanol or acetonitrile to pack the column in. Put the end fittings on nice and tight. Put that column away. Then put a union on your system. Run some IPA through the whole thing. Flush out the aqueous channel. Make sure there's no water left. You're good to go. John, it's it's that simple. Wow, Paul. Thanks so much. Appreciate you uh, bringing this quick tip to us today. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're hearing this, uh, this is part of a series. Uh, we do a podcast called Peak Tales. And uh, Paul is often on that uh, podcast with us giving tips and tricks around HPLC and GC uh, separations. And um, we... Uh, uh, we appreciate this this quick hit, and um, thank you so much for joining us today, Paul. Take care. Thanks, John. Bye-bye. We want to thank you for listening to today's quick tip. For more information, check out our entire podcast series, Peak Tales, at peaktales.libson.com. Hey everyone, this is John. You are listening to Quick Tips. This is a production of the Peak Tales podcast. For the entire two seasons of our famous podcast, you can find us at peaktales.libsyn.com. Hey, hello everyone. This is John Damari from the Peak Tales podcast. We're here today with another quick tip. Uh, today I'm joined with Alex Uchi. Uh, Alex joins us on our Peak Tales podcast from time to time when we talk about uh, GC chromatography. Uh, today, uh, Alex is going to be talking about uh, properly putting away your column and storing it when it's not in use. So why don't you get started, Alex, and tell us um, what to do if you'd like to remove your column from your instrument and store it. Yeah, sure. Hi, everybody. So it's actually very simple. Uh, we recommend putting the original septa at the ends of the column after removing it from the instrument, of course, and putting it in the original box. If you didn't keep the original septa, you could use an old GC septa as well. And we recommend putting the column in the box since the column is a bit fragile, so the box will protect it. If you just put that column on the shelf, it could get bumped, and we know that little scratches can cause the column to break eventually. Well, that sounds pretty easy. Is there anything else we should keep in mind? Yeah, I guess regarding the instrument, the best a lot of people are asking, oh, you know, if I leave if I leave my instrument, you know, for a while, what to do? The best thing to do is keep the inlet and detector warm to make sure there is no contamination buildup. 
it might be best to have a small flow of carrier gas through the instrument as well. There's no need to keep the oven hot or the column that could be inside hot if you didn't remove it. Um, and also, think one other thing that you could do is uh, when you do remove the column, uh, maybe make a note on the chromatogram or somewhere when the column was removed and why. That way, you know the history of it. Um, yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. A lot of people don't do that, and then it's uh, a question when you come back a week or a month later, and uh, and and there are problems or issues uh, that you might encounter. Mm -hmm. now, um, now, what about when you do come back, uh, getting that column back in action? What does that look like? Yeah, well, you know, when when you first take the column out of the box, make sure, you know, to cut the column before installing, you know, especially if you did put a piece of septa at the end of the column, you're going to have a little piece of septa in there. So cut the column uh, before you install it. And then after you install the column, we recommend flushing the column out with carrier gas before heating up. And this time I would make sure, or during that time, I would make sure that there are no leaks in your system as well. As we know, any residual oxygen at high temperatures will damage the column severely. Now, Alex, what are some good ways to check for leaks? So you can do so by making an alcohol water mixture and squirting around fittings. If you see bubbles, you might have a leak. Uh, you might also have in the lab a hand handheld leak detector, which is even better. Um, and if you have a mass spec, you could also spray. A lot of people use electronics duster uh, and spray that around fittings. And you can monitor certain mass to charge ratios. And if you see some of those extra compounds pop up, then that means you have a small leak. So there's a number of ways you can uh, check to see if you have a leak. But it's important that you do regardless. Yeah. So there are anything else that somebody should look to, um, to look at specifically on the GC when they get back to the lab? I guess one of the last things that someone might want to check, you know, as they come back into the lab is their gas traps. You know, make sure that they're all up to date. A lot of the gas traps nowadays have indicators on them, so make sure that they're okay. Um, and I think that's pretty much sums it all, sums it up. Wow, that's pretty thorough, Alex. Appreciate it. Yeah, the, the last one about the gas traps. Yeah, look at that. Look at the expiration dates. Look at the color of those gas traps. Um that would be a good time uh, to, to, to take a look right before you start running up to prevent any problems down the road. So we do appreciate this quick tip from you, Alex. Thank you so much. And for those mm -hmm. of you who are listening, uh, this is part of uh, a series that we're doing in conjunction with the, the Peak Tales podcast, which can be found at peaktales.libsyn.com. And we do a long-form conversation typically twice a month uh, around HPLC and GC chromatography, uh, different separation techniques and tips and tricks. And we uh, just invite you to join us at uh, peaktales.libsyn.com. Thanks so much, Alex, for that tip today. Yep. We want to thank you for listening to today's quick tip. For more information, check out our entire podcast series, Peak Tales, at peaktales.libsyn.com. Okay, there you have it. Um, our first episode where we're doing a few quick tips. I hope this information was helpful to you. Uh, it's our desire to bring short, concise information to you. Please go ahead, log on to peaktales.libsyn, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com, and uh, subscribe with your favorite podcast app. 
and this way you will never miss an episode. And for being a loyal podcast listener, I wanted to provide you with a promo code that's available only in the U.S. and Canada. Um, so you can certainly take advantage of this if you uh, live in one of those countries. And uh, it is a special promo code that you can use on our website or with your chemistries and supplies specialist. The, pro the promo code is actually 1599, so it's 1599. And uh, there are restrictions that do apply, and your rep can go over that, but that will provide you with some discount on certain products within the portfolios that we have to offer. Thanks for being a loyal listener. And this is just one way that we feel we can give back. Uh, this podcast has been growing exponentially and uh, it's all because of you. Uh, so share it, please. Uh, if you find this information helpful, uh, share it with your colleagues and let's all continue on this journey of learning together. Thanks so much. Bye for now. to this episode of Peak Tales. For more information on what was discussed today, contact your local Agilent representative or go online to Agilent.com.